that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the sports talker here on 1450 Sports Buzz. It's uh, a pretty nice day outside, all things considered, for it being getting close to the middle of July. It's not as hot or as humid as it's been. Uh, the past few days, and it's it actually feels pretty good out there. It's a, a great TV day for sports fans. If you're an NBA fan or a fan of basketball, Summer League games in Orlando have been rolling all day, and they just started the 3 o'clock game. That's Memphis and Orlando going on right now. Not much UK interest in that game, but there has been several UK targets playing throughout the week, and, and Marcus Teague played today. So summer league for for UK fans have been interesting, and and even for Louisville fans, Peyton Siva playing with the Pistons, looking to get that second contract. Uh, I saw a lot of articles on Twitter about that. Uh, Peyton Siva is a good guy. Hope he's able to land that. Russ Smith and the Pelicans. I think they're playing out in Las Vegas, so they haven't started their summer league yet. But I know Russ Smith was made available to the media today in New Orleans, and the NBA TV had a special on Julius Randle before the draft. It's just always interesting to see these people that you cover for, in UK's case, a year, but see them on national television getting national coverage. It's uh, the next step for them as they begin their basketball careers. No Yates today, but I am blessed to be joined by Trevor Kelsey, who's running the board and is going to be chiming in here and there today. It's always interesting when Trevor's on. He, he hosts the show right after mine. For those maybe accidentally tuning in an hour early, you're an hour early. Trevor's show starts an hour later, but he'll be talking a little with me today. Trevor, how are you? I hope they don't tune into your show as much because I do steal a lot of your material on my show and make it sound like my own. I, I, I try to do it as much as possible because I know you don't listen to my show. So as soon as, a- as soon as you go off the air, I write down everything. I go, okay, I can. That's a good one. I'll just pretend like that's mine. That's mine. Yeah, and I, I just do that. So hopefully uh, nobody's paying attention to both shows. I listen to your show for, from time to time, especially when I do have a feeling that you're going to talk about stuff that I talked about. I do listen. I remember one time I, I listened to your show and you talked about it was when Jason Hatcher and James Quick got busted for weed <laughs> and. Somebody on your show said that UK loses JJ Quick, and I'm pretty sure it was Yates. But then Yates said it on your show, and again, I thought it was him. It might have been if I did say that or not, but uh, I would think that it's that, that's not too far out of the realm of possibility to say that losing Hatcher first. Well, if Hatcher would be just as big a blow, if not as much, if not more than James Quick to Louisville. Would you not agree to that? For I disagree because Kentucky's got Bud Dupree and Zadarius Smith, obviously. Obviously, you always want depth there. And Lil has tons of depth at wide receiver, not to cut you off. Smith, obviously, you always want depth there. And Lil has tons of depth at wide receiver, not to cut you off real quick. And and this is the exact same conversation Yates and I had. (laughs) And they do, they do, but you all are going to be throwing a lot more. I I feel that if you're going, it's not going to be like Charlie Strong's offense. You're going to be bringing bodies in and out. And this is supposed to be the year that James Quick is supposed to make that huge next step. Not that Jason Hatcher is not supposed to take a step forward either. But I don't think as much, this is just my opinion, I don't think as much is going to be asked out of Jason Hatcher. As as much as James Quick. But then again, I, I could make a case against that as well because Basically, last year they just they at times played Jason Hatcher linebacker. They just said we need an athletic body in there that's good at tackling. So you go play basically whatever position we can find a, a way for you. I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't if they did that. You know, if they they kept to that mold this year and played them. But 
James Quick, I, I feel, had more hype around him and what he was able to do at Louisville. And now in Petrino's offense, I feel this is uh, this upcoming year, if Louisville were to miss him for any extended amount of time, that could hurt the air game. But you are right, Louisville has plenty of depth at wide receiver. I, I think it would definitely, I think, hurt uh, Quick's growth that we, we saw somewhat, I don't want to use the word stunted last year, but didn't come to the tuition that we thought it would and, and not being used as much as you thought a, a high-recruited wide receiver that turned down Ohio State and it was – supposedly battled all the big recruits Louisville did to get that didn't do as much impact. But losing either one, I don't think we can agree to disagree that losing both would be would be kind of a, a pinprick at worst to both teams, but losing neither one would, would cause either team to go into a tailspin and, and not make a bowl game. That's for sure. I think we agree on that. You're right about that. If Kentucky makes a bowl game, it's not. It won't necessarily be be because of Jason Hatcher. If they don't make a bowl game, like many are predicting, it won't certainly because they didn't have Hatcher. Although I don't think anything's going to happen to Jason Hatcher. The charges were dismissed. He should be free to go. Haven't heard the same or, or what the deal is with James Quick, but you still have plenty of time to figure that out. And like I talked about when this news broke, we're we're talking about something that happened a month ago. But when this news broke. Eventually, this is people are going to look back and, and be like, "Oh, you got you were suspended for marijuana? That's that's crazy. That's legal everywhere. Why would anybody ever care about that?" But as for now, it's illegal. But I'm sure James Quick will be fine and and be ready to roll. And, and he'll do some community of, service, couple drug classes. He'll miss maybe a Murray State game, or and then he'll be back on the field. Nothing that he didn't have to do at Trinity. <laughs> exactly. Well, he'd probably get less punishment at Trinity, but that's, you know, I'm sure you won't disagree with that being a CNX guy. Absolutely. And, and Kentucky, I'm a Wagner yeah. guy. I don't like him either, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's that's fair enough. Uh, CNX did steal Wagner's coach, though, so I wonder if you have any, uh, if you care about that whatsoever, but probably uh, not. He was a CNX guy before he was a Wagner guy, though, so I can't, I can't hate on uh, Mr. Coach Klein. He, that's uh, that's understandable, he, and he did a great job at Wagner, is building at St. X. Hopefully it works out for him there. And, and Kentucky is pretty loaded at defensive end. Obviously, Jason Hatcher is the second or the third option outside of Bud Dupree and Zadarius Smith, but you've got Denzel Ware, you've got Lloyd Tubman, uh, a coveted recruit that Kentucky somehow ended up with, and you've got Farrington Huguenin, who is has looked good at times. So you've got some other options there at defensive end. But again, this is Jason Hatcher should find the field one way or the other. He's just too talented, too skilled, and a great tackler for him not to be on the field. And Kentucky used a lot of him last year, even when he did break a thumb. He didn't miss any time. Yeah, so. Just tell him there's some grass out there. He'll show up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Can I get a rim shot on that one, please? Come on. Oh, my, that's right. I'm the producer, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, wait. You're telling me that we have the – sometimes you get little noises played? No, I don't. I, re- I request, but it, it goes unheard, unfortunately. I'd love for little noises to be played. I've always wanted to have a radio show, kind of like the, the 90s radio shows, where there's just sounds going on everywhere. Uh, and, you know, you know, like what the family guy does. Weenie they, in the butt. Be- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just have noises going on throughout the show. When, whenever I make a joke, although I, sometimes my jokes are so bad, people don't even know I'm making them. You just have sounds go off. So uh, I'll make sure not to try to play uh, the, 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 the uh, tragic scene from Philadelphia instead of Food Fight from Animal House. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. 
I appreciate that. Uh, and you, I, I needed to get used for you making all these old references. As how I young you are, show. that's right. I, 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 didn't, I didn't prepare for that. Anyways, uh, speaking of you, speaking of, of Jason Hatcher and UK's depth at the defensive end, one thing I didn't want to talk about today is we're doing this cool thing on Cats Illustrated that I'm going to kind of steal a little bit. Hopefully my boss isn't listening. I'm sure he probably won't be. But he came up with that, this idea where the staff, Brett Dawson, Aaron Smith, who was on the show yesterday, Justin Rowland, who's the best recruiting analyst in the game, and then me, we're going to rank UK's most important football players, 1 through 25. Some are slow. you got to come up with stuff like this. And it's also interesting because when you get – I think everybody kind of has a feel for the top 10 or at least the top 5. But once you get to those – 18 to 25 players, those are guys that maybe you need to, to watch out for, maybe up-and-coming stars, guys, juniors that should, should have one last chance before becoming seniors, and uh, that's where it could get interesting, but what we're, do- we're going to count it down, 25 through 1, the most important players for this upcoming UK football season, but what Brett's doing is letting the subscribers of House of Blue rank 1 through 10, and it'll be a vote that way. And a lot, and so he's asking people on the on House of Blue message board to make their one through ten. Who do you think the number one player is, Trevor? Being a Louisville fan that maybe doesn't follow UK as closely as as some of my listeners do, who do you think the number one player that UK fans feels needs to have the biggest year, uh, according to our House of Blue poll? Uh, if you're asking the fans, uh, I would almost say Drew Barker. Actually, just to see, I'm, I'm going to test their knowledge of the UK Big Blue Nation. In football, but I'm going to take a wild uh, stab and say Drew Barker off the top. Well, I will tell you this: not one person. We and, and we've probably so far had 15 replies ranking their one through ten, uh, maybe 20 uh, ranking their one through ten. Not one person had Drew Barker in their top ten. Really? Not one. Not you, a single. You can't even one. get one vote to the guy that headlines your Super Bowl commercial. Come on, people. Not one, but I tell you, who every almost everybody had number one, with the exception of maybe one or two ballots. Patrick Tolls. That would have been guess number two, I guess I would say. I would quarterback being the obvious kind of position. I was just kind of, I guess, uh, grasping at straws for the freshman uh, phenom before the super sophomore. So this is what kind of. That, that kind of surprised me, like it surprised you. Now, I would have figured Patrick Tolles would have been on most of these lists and, and maybe even Drew Barker on some of these lists, but what this tells me is that UK fans are all on board with one quarterback, and this is a very small sample size. This is just a few House of Blue members, but that does these are kind of the, the fans that follow, they, they, the fans that are very in, involved and, and active with UK football and certainly UK football recruiting. And it kind of, it does surprise me that Drew Barker has kind of been the player for Mark Stoops has been the guy you landed him. You stole him from South Carolina, Tennessee, some other big names. And then he's not, UK fans have kind of moved on from him. They realize that it's in his best interest and UK's best interest for him to maybe get that red shirt. You don't see too many SEC quarterbacks go into their freshman year and have a lot of success. So that means all UK fans are kind of putting their eggs in the Patrick Tolls basket. A risky move for a, for a guy that hasn't shown a lot was another big name recruit, but ha- ha- hasn't really produced. He's got the body. He's got the size that you want, but I, I think that is good. And I think, I think this is going to transition maybe into uh, this is just a, a guess, but I feel once the fall camp starts in August, 
maybe maybe this will be common knowledge throughout UK's fan base, and not just House of Blue, where UK fans are okay with Patrick Tolles, and maybe UK will name Patrick Tolles the starter sooner than later. And if they can do that, I think you get more chemistry with the offense, more chemistry with the wide receivers. It's not a big question mark like it was last year, which they didn't name a starting quarterback until the beginning of the Western Kentucky game. I think it's. I've always said they should name a starter sooner than later, and it seems like everybody's on board with Patrick Tolles. Now, do I think that's the right option? I don't know because I've seen as much as these quarterbacks as you have, which is virtually the spring game and very few open practices where we got to throw them and get to see them throw in non-contact drills. Haven't got to see a lot of them, but everything we've heard from the coaches, which you have to take a grain of salt, is it's close. Tolls looks good some days. Drew Barker looks good some days. Reese Phillips looks some, good some days. And Maxwell Smith still returning from injury. It's unlikely he's going to be the guy. But I think the sooner they find their quarterback, and it looks like maybe they're getting closer on being sold on Patrick Tolls, the better for Kentucky football going forward. Uh, do you agree with that, Trevor? First of all, is Maxwell Smith trying to be like the Van Wilder of UK football? I mean, it seems like he's been there for about a decade. But aside from that, I know this is going to, and this isn't too far back into your old school knowledge, but are you at all worried? I feel like I'm doing an interview with back on a Wednesday segment with you again. Are you at all worried that the Drew Barker, Patrick Tolles thing could turn out to be another Masakowski newton scenario? That would be a, a worst-case scenario for UK. Oh, by far. I, I don't necessarily think so because, and here's why I say that, is because I, I feel... They have so much time, and you could say the same thing about Mostakowski and Newton, but Patrick Tolles is a a sophomore. Drew Barker is a freshman. If you're able to have Patrick Tolles be successful at all, just if he can lead UK to a bowl game or not make mistakes, if he's able, able to manage the offense, get first downs, pick up, make throws from 5 to 15 yards. You don't even have to have the deep ball in Neil Brown's offense. If he's able to move the chains consistently, then that's fine. He doesn't have to be the star of the team. So what I'm saying is get Patrick Tolles to get UK through this year. Then he'll be a junior. Drew Barker will still be a freshman if he's able to redshirt and not have to play. And I feel that's a a far enough gap where either you decide, hey, Patrick Tolles, you're going to finish out these next two years, you progress, and then Drew Barker, you're going to be a starter come your junior year. You better be ready because you've had enough time. Then I feel that's kind of how a normal team develops players and goes through a quarterback process. Don't you agree with that? Yes, but is Kentucky a normal team? No, they're not, and winning four games in two years is far from normal, especially for SEC standards, but I think that's the ideal situation, is you let Patrick Tolles get through this year, you don't have to waste a year of, el- a year of eligibility for Drew Barker, and then you make this decision next year. Has Drew Barker caught up and passed Patrick Tolles, or has Patrick Tolles, has he improved as well and, and progressed, and can he lead the offense and be improved coming his junior year? And if you can make that you can have this argument this time next year, but the, the the fact of the matter is you've got to not use Drew Barker this year. That's an ideal situation. The worst case scenario, you start Patrick Tolles, it goes terrible. Kentucky loses to one of their non-conference opponents, which I think me and you have debated whether how realistic that is. I don't feel it's very realistic. Watch you out for those it, Ohio Bobcats, baby. Exactly. You think it could happen. So I, I think 
that's the worst case scenario. If Patrick Tolles looks bad, you might try Reese Phillips. He doesn't look any better. And then you have to go to Drew Barker, maybe fourth game of the year. You've already kind of committed to other quarterbacks. It hasn't worked. You have to waste a year of Drew Barker. I, I don't think if you play Drew Barker this year, he looks great. I think he might look okay. I think he could look decent, but I really think that can hurt a quarterback's progress when you throw him into the fire of an SEC schedule when he's not ready for that. So then... Did it hurt Patrick Tolles? He wasn't... I don't really consider that being thrown into the fire for the most part. Okay. You know Drew Barker better than I do. Does this affect his decision of wanting to stay? Is he willing to redshirt and stay? Oh, yeah. I mean, is he willing to to fall on the sword, so to speak, or I mean, or does he want want to play now? I mean, and you understand if you want to, that's one of the reasons you pick Kentucky. It's one of Stoops' biggest selling points is you can come in, you can play right now. And for the most part, skill positions are going to see that that f- come true. But with Drew Barker, it may not. He had to wait two years. Well, I was at Drew Barker's uh, when he decided to to pick UK over South Carolina and Tennessee and and some other schools. He talked to the media and, and said that the plan was for him to redshirt. That's what he and the coaches talked about. He's going to come in. He's going to redshirt. He's going to take his time. And when he, when he starts, he's going to take the league by storm. But what he said was, I plan on redshirting, but I'm going to compete like I'm going to start day one. And if I end up having to play as a freshman, I love it. He, he talked about he loved that. That's, that's fine by him. But he, what he was told is that he was going to to redshirt, and that was the initial plan. Now, maybe once Jalen Whitlow left and Maxwell Smith seems like he's not going to be able to play, then maybe then he he felt that things have changed. I've got a real chance to start, but he, he's not going to transfer. He's a Kentucky kid through and through. He, he led the U.K. Twitter movement, uh, helping – bring in a, a really good 2014 class, He he's not going to transfer and leave for playing time. And you, you talked about Patrick Tolles being thrown into the fire. His true, So he has redshirt. He, he got a medical redshirt. In 2012, he did play. He played in, let's see, five games. Only one game he threw more than six passes. And that was the in the forty to zero loss to Vanderbilt, which I consider the most depressing UK football game of all time in my in my lifetime. He was eight of twenty three in that game. Nothing was going right for Kentucky's quarterbacks. Didn't have any interceptions though, but a, a passer rating of of sixty eight, not not great. So I love the positive swing you put on it. We didn't throw any picks. He didn't, he didn't well, throw any touchdowns or barely any completions, but he didn't throw any picks either. So you know, it's a positive note. Way to be. Well, if, you're gonna, good. If, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go eight to twenty-three, you need to you need to find some sort of silver lining. I think that would be it. So it is interesting the the quarterback debate, but I do think, and, and that's what it, this uh, Cats Illustrated poll has shown me is that UK fans are are all in for the most part, all in on Patrick Tolles, and that's the best case scenario for UK football. The only better case scenario that would involve Drew Barker playing is that. Drew Barker just progressed a ton, an unimaginable amount from the spring game to the fall camp to the point where not only is he better than Patrick, head and shoulders better than Patrick Tolles and Reese Phillips, but good enough where he can lead Kentucky into the SEC as a freshman. Now, I don't think that sounds too realistic. Uh, Even if you're an optimist, I, I don't know how you can think that seriously can happen. 
And here's the other thing. Drew Barker might be better than Patrick Tolles, but is it enough to waste a year? A year that most, even UK fans, consider a year that's not going to go to a bowl game. Is he that much better where you think that he gives you a drastically better chance to make a bowl game? No. I, I think the answer to that is no, and that's why you play Patrick Tolles. And, and I do think probably right now Patrick Tolles is better. We're going to head to our first commercial break. We'll come back. We're going to talk more UK football. What the, what's the most important game? for UK football this year. Uh, I want to I have your opinion. Tweet into me at twalkerrivals. Look forward to reading that. Some, some websites said a game that maybe you weren't thinking is the most important game for, for Kentucky football. We'll talk about the most important game for Louisville football too. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. And we're back here, second segment, 1450 The Sports Buzz, WXVW. I'm doing the show, Trevor's working the board, and we're talking a lot of football here. Saw that a, it might have been ESPN, a website was ranking each team's most important games of the season, and... This article had mentioned that Florida is Kentucky's most important game of the season. They talked about how Florida is a, a vulnerable team after a very underwhelming year last year. And this is a game that Kentucky could potentially steal. They also mentioned the shriek, which is ridiculous. It's unbelievable that a, a team can have a losing streak like Kentucky has against Florida, the longest current losing streak in all of college football. I think it's up to 26 or 27 games. It's hard to keep count. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Kentucky fans should uh, pat themselves on the back. They Now they were one and two in the longest losing streaks. The other one coming to Tennessee, of course, Matt Rourke had something to say about that. You know, all this quarterback debate wasn't, why does Kentucky find if, if Rourke has any more eligibility left and bring him in here to run the, to run the Joker Phillips Wildcat offense. Uh, only kidding, of course. But they mentioned Kentucky being or Florida being Kentucky's most important game. Is that an important game? Sure. It's Kentucky's first real test of the season and in, in week three. It's on the road. It's gonna be a night game in the swamp. Sure, it's sure it's important. Is the shriek bad and would it go a long way if Kentucky's able to erase that shriek? Yes. From a recruiting standpoint, this would be a huge win if Kentucky can beat Florida. But is it the most important game? I don't think so. I think you could make a case that the four out-of-conference games are more important for Kentucky. And obviously the Louisville one is super important. I can talk more about that later. But the other three, Tennessee, Martin, Ohio, and Louisiana Monroe, the only reason I think those are more important than Florida is because those are games Kentucky is expected to win. So if you lose any of those three, that's a huge step back 
That's why I think those three games are more important than Florida. And then even after that, I'm taking a lot more games uh, on the UK schedule and, and deeming them more important than the Florida game. Vanderbilt, I find to be more important. One, that's a home game coming off a bye week. Kentucky should be ready for Vanderbilt. The losing streak against Vanderbilt is way too big, and I think it's only been three years, three or four years. That you can't have that. You get if Kentucky wants to be successful in the in the SEC, they have to be beating Vanderbilt on a consistent basis. It could start this year. Kentucky and Vandy go head to head on a lot of recruits, and including one that's going to announce here in the next few days. Josh Smith, a rival's top two fifty linebacker, would be a huge get for Kentucky if they're able to land him. He's choosing between Kentucky, Purdue, and Vanderbilt. He does have a brother that's an incoming freshman already enrolled to Vandy. He's from Tennessee. Vandy's kind of the closest school to to, to where he's from, Muffreesboro, which I'm pretty sure is just outside of Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. You're so not me in Murfreesboro? Are you misread? Or is that or is it just like two towns that sound alike? Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I meant. What did I say? You said Muffreesboro or something Muffre- like that. Okay, I'm in Murfreesboro. Yeah, we, we don't have enough t- space on this radio station for people who butcher t- names in, in English language. I do enough of that already, DJ. I, fo- I apologize to the great people of Murfreesboro. I, I, it must have been a mis- Home of uh, Middle Tennessee State. But, yeah, that's okay. So I was in the right. I, 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 I just read it wrong. Trevor, give me a break. All right, buddy? All right, I'll let anyways, you slide on this one. Anyways, so... He's uh, Vanderbilt's his hometown school. He's got a brother that's going to be an incoming freshman there, but he's visited Kentucky a lot. So I, I think he's probably going to end up at Vandy, but we'll have to wait and see. But that's that's why this Kentucky game against Tennessee is or against Vandy is more important than the Florida game. They go head to head for for more recruits than Kentucky and Florida do, and also you need to get back in front of Vandy if you want to be successful in the SEC. I can make a case the South Carolina game is more important than the than the Florida game. Kentucky goes against more recruits uh, with South Carolina than they do Florida. Also, you played South Carolina really close down in Columbia last year. Maybe that's a game that you can steal. Maybe that's an upset game. They don't have Clowney. They didn't have Clowney against UK last year. He was hurt, but they're not going to obviously have him this year. Maybe that's another game you can steal. Mississippi State is another home game I'd consider more important than Florida. That's a a game just like Vandy. You have to be able to beat Mississippi State on a consistent basis, especially at home if you want to be more successful in the SEC. I think Kentucky and Mississippi State are comparable SEC programs, but Mississippi State has been much better over the past few years. That needs to change. That's a more important game. And obviously Kentucky and Mississippi State go head-to-head for recruits. At Missouri, if you want to pick a game on the road that's more important, than Florida. There's a couple. I think at Missouri's one too. Missouri, I think that's a winnable game on the road. They they really smacked Kentucky around last year. They're not going to be nearly as good as they were last year. Maybe that's a game they can win. You could probably make a case for Georgia being a more important game. That one's at home, but that's going to be a tough one. Georgia's obviously going to be very good. At Tennessee is certainly more important for the same reasons as I've said before. You go against them and recruits a lot. That's a rivalry game. That's uh, that's on the road, but Kentucky always has a good showing of fans down in Knoxville. Maybe you can win that, and obviously the Louisville game. For all these same reasons, plus the rivalry, plus the last game of the year, plus momentum heading into the offseason, maybe a bowl, but who knows? That's a more important game. So I think you could make a case that one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight more games are more important than the Florida game. So basically, I, I think that is uh, pretty inaccurate to say that Florida is Kentucky's most important game. I'd actually rank it way down that list and, and say that maybe if I had to pick who their most important game of the year is, I'd probably go with probably go with Vanderbilt if I had to pick who Kentucky's most important game of the year is. Trevor, what do you, how do you feel about that little spiel? I, I agree with about everything you said. I mean, every game to me, like you said, is important to Kentucky, especially when you're coming off a two-win season. Every game is important, but if you're going to put them in the pecking order like you just kind of did, I, I agree. Florida is almost like second to last, only behind maybe like ahead of maybe LSU of least important to me. I mean, I know it's it, – it, of course it's an important game, but when you want to rank them and put, put them in order of like what means more, you said it, I think, and I agree with it. The the out of con- All four out-of-conference games are probably more important because those are the games, even including Louisville, that you need to win because you obviously do struggle sometimes in SEC play. And after that, I would go – it put them in order of the teams that you have a, a realistic, well, I don't want to say realistic, but a better chance of beating in the SEC, which is Vanderbilt, which is you know Mississippi State, which is probably Tennessee still at this point. Those three games, obviously, to me, are obviously more important than even Florida as well. And even Ohio, and I kid with you about Ohio, but Ohio can be an important game too because Stoops has done a good job of going into Ohio and starting to do more recruiting and He's maybe not nowhere near maybe the level where you're going to compete with the, take the guys that Ohio State, Michigan want, but Ohio's you know you're going to kind of compete with Ohio for those kind of under the radar two and three star guys and to beat to go oh, in and beat Ohio's as a good kind of uh, trumping point to say when you're up there and you know in places like Canton and Columbus and trying to get those three and four star guys that Ohio State, Michigan overlook. Well, I I I love you, Trevor, but maybe you don't follow recruiting as closely as others do. Kentucky is taking guys from Michigan and Ohio State. Not so much Ohio State. Ohio State's going to Big get the baller. guys in Ohio for the most part that they want, but Kentucky's going head-to-head for them. The old Joker staff would, for the most part, fight for Ohio for recruits, but I, I get, I, I, I'm going to take your point, and, and I agree with it for a different reason. Ohio's important because if you lose to Ohio, how Ohio State's going to get every recruit that they they're going to want to get in that state? Because oh, guess what? Guess what? Urban Meyer is going to say to a recruit that's considering Kentucky for SEC and for playing time versus uh, just going to be another player at Ohio State. He's going to say, "You want to go to Kentucky, and they're telling you they can compete in the SEC when they can't even beat maybe the the third best team in Ohio, maybe the fourth best team in Ohio." How seriously can you take them? They lost to Ohio at home. So that's an important game from a negative standpoint. You can't lose that game because you're trying to, like you said, recruit in Ohio, get some of the best players in Ohio. And if you can't beat Ohio, not Ohio State, then you're going to have a much tougher time getting those. So that's a good point about uh, Ohio being an important game. But like I said, all these games are important. Clay B116 texts into the show and says that the next game on the schedule is the most important game. Which is just corny and thank and you whatever. for the coach speak there, uh, Clay B. Yeah, he's he's chock full of that stuff. On Louisville's standpoint, though, it's 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 more interesting than Kentucky's because Kentucky's expectations aren't as high as Louisville's heading into this year. And Louisville's got some tough home games, have a uh, have a couple tough road games, and you've got some rivalry games, including the Kentucky game, that you could make a case that a lot of these different games are the most important game on the schedule. Now, if Louisville loses to Kentucky, that's a bad look. 
going forward that's going to kill you in in-state recruiting. It will give it will have the feel that the momentum as a football program has shifted back to Kentucky, and who knows how long Kentucky will be able to hold on to that. That would be a killer loss for Louisville, so that game's important. But I, I think the most important game is Florida State. Your your favorite to win the national champion uh, to win the national title for a second straight year. Uh, a loaded team, the best quarterback in the country. They're coming to Papa John's. Uh, that's uh, you can maybe make the case that at, at Clemson, that would certainly make a big splash in the ACC if you're able to win there. Uh, at Notre Dame, for similar reasons, maybe more so on a national scale. Again, Kentucky is a very, you can make a great case for Kentucky being the most important game. But I think if Louisville wants to kind of stay, be respected as this program that can beat anybody, the most important game on the schedule is that day before Halloween game against Florida State. Trevor, is that safe to say? Uh, it, it's it's never it's not to say you're wrong on that. Uh, I think again to be coach speak like Clay, every game's kind of important except for maybe Murray State. But to me, it's the actually the season over Miami. I think that's really the most important game because that's the game where I think Louisville can can kind of come in like uh, New Collusion, uh Bull Durham. If you don't get this reference, but uh, come in with and, and strike his authority with a presence. And, and they can do that by if they can come in and they can maybe, I don't know, not even whoop Miami, but at least beat Miami, they can get on the right track and going into an ACC, into a whole new, you know, a whole new conference, a whole new world. You go in going in 1-0 and with the confidence built. You go in and you get smoked by Miami in your home opener, Petrino's first game back, a new quarterback following the Teddy Bridgewater. You have no I, – I could see this season possibly, and this would be worst-case scenario, turning into kind of like the year with uh, Dave Ragone's senior year where Louisville – was supposed to be a top ten team, and Kentucky came in, abused the, the what was I guess you could call an offensive line in front of Dave. I don't know if that's really being generous to give him that title, but you know, beat beat Louisville, kind of smacked him in the mouth, and what would look to be maybe a a ten win season for the Cardinals, other than upsetting Florida State, ended up being I think a seven win seven and five year, and kind of really a disappointment. So I think that first game against Miami can really set the tone for this entire season for this team. I get your point there, and. You're you're right again, much like Kentucky playing Ohio. From a negative standpoint, that could be a killer loss if Louisville were to lose to Miami. I just don't see a way they're losing to Miami. And this is a team that you all absolutely dominated in the bowl game to end last season. Miami might be a little bit better. I, I, I think I read today that they lost their linebacker and lost another player that, that won't be playing for, for them this season. That's correct. Uh, but... They might be a little bit better. Louisville might be a little worse. Losing Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, you're, you're definitely going to to miss a quarterback like that. But I just don't see a way with it being the season opener, the primetime game, uh, Bobby Petrino's return home. I don't see a way not only Louisville loses this game, but I don't see a way that Louisville doesn't win big. So that's why I'm not considering that maybe the most important game on Louisville's schedule is because I just don't see a, a scenario where they lose to Miami. I agree. I don't. I don't think they will. Or I mean, they could. Obviously, I mean, anything can happen. But it just seems like if you do lose to Miami, because like what you just said, they're expecting to kind of come in and and lay the smack if down on the Hurricanes because they did it to them last year because they won two in a row against them. If they were to come in and poop the bed off the bat, I mean, you obviously you beat Murray State more than likely the next week. But how much confidence do you have going into you know a game at Virginia, even though Virginia wasn't. You know the greatest team last year and underplayed. You know you could go into that game a lot like you know the FIU game you know, a couple years ago where you actually outplay a team but you lose because you give up three big plays and it can just kill your confidence for an entire season. 
Yeah, I, I you're right. I mean, you're right about that. I, I just you think act shocked that, that I'm right. Of course, I'm right, DJ. Well, <laughs> well, I, I think that if Louisville is to lose for those reasons, it, it could make. Uh, it would, you're right. It could set the entire tone wrong on the wrong foot for their ACC journey. But I, I don't think they will. And I think if you're looking to dominate the ACC or compete in the ACC like Louisville has dominated and competed in their last. Uh, gosh, it's been so many conferences now, Trevor. It's hard to keep up with. But we are nomads. <laughs> with their last three ACC teams or, or conferences, their last three conferences, and they want to do so in the ACC, then you do have to beat Miami. But I think you ha- that Florida State game becomes that most important because they are the the dragon in this league. And if you want to cut the head off of the dragon, that's who you got to beat. I agree I with forgot. you one hundred percent, though. Other than the surroundings I put around Miami, I agree with you one hundred percent on Florida State. That's the most outside of what the scenarios I put in Miami. That is four states the most important game. Second would be if you take the scenarios out of the situation would probably be at Clemson because that's no disrespect to, to Virginia, but that's really the, I think the first major real road test. I know they play at Syracuse as well, but that's the first real major road test in the ACC to me would be Clemson before you go into that Florida State game. Uh, the, that certainly is their first big major road test, but but Virginia, I've got a. I think Virginia is gonna going to become a football power in the ACC. I really do. And I, I, I have not a ton of reasoning behind this. I know that they've gotten some good recruits the past few years, and they haven't really uh, had the success that they've wanted to. I've got a feeling about Virginia. I think they're going to be a sneaky team in the ACC for the next five years. Just write that down or don't. Who cares? I'd forgotten that Luke Hancock is playing with the Magic for NBA Summer League, which the game is on right now. That's uh, I'm I'm curious if he's ever going to get a chance in the NBA. I'm sure if he had a good summer league, that would certainly help his chances. But I wonder if he's if he still does the little pump fakes and if that could work at the next level. So I, I'm going to have to keep an eye on this NBA summer league game, especially when my show goes off the air. Uh, we're going to head to our last segment, though, our last commercial break that will lead into our last segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. A lot of football talk today. It's starting to get closer, and I, I like it. So stick around. We'll be right back. Back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back. One final segment here on a Tuesday edition of the Sports Talker. It's been fun being able to uh, talk a lot of college football with Trevor. Doing a a nice little back and forth. Uh, Again, I, I wasn't ready for the old references that I knew Trevor would bring up today. And I wasn't quite prepared for the music Trevor would be playing coming into or just heading out into breaks 
it's it's always that 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 same type of music, Trevor. What's going on, man? Oh, I just got to go to my wheelhouse. I was I don't know what modern music to pick. I don't know anything about. I mean, what am I gonna play? Like Miley Cyrus or One Republic or I don't I don't know who who's cool. What what do you kids watch in the music videos these days? I feel that Miley Cyrus has, as long as I've known you, which has been, I guess, a few years now. I feel like Miley Cyrus has always been your kind of go-to modern music. You know, there's other people besides her, right? Yeah, I, know, I mean, I know there's uh, there's uh, two chains, and then there's uh, Meek Mills. I learned these from Nick Coffee Show. Uh, I know, I mean, I know Little Wayne, but I can't play those because I don't know what cursing is in them and. I'm just like a, you know, blind running through a you know a coal mine without a lantern, you know, picking those songs, and I don't want to, I don't need to be dropping any kind of uh, obscenities, you know, on the radio that I at least don't say myself. Wait, what what obscenities could you could you drop on the radio that you don't say yourself? Uh, that the, you don't say yourself. What obscenities could I drop that that, that wouldn't that they would play that I wouldn't say myself? Or what, what do you? There's none. You say everything. True, but I don't, no, I don't. I don't not, drop you know like a four letter word. I mean, I don't say you know. I don't use a, a curse word that I'm not supposed to use. And and most uh, musicians today, yeah, I mean, most musicians today are a little more free with the uh, the English language and the Urban Dictionary def- definition of what is uh, what is cool. It's like listening, to, you know, watching FX after ten o'clock. You know, you never know what they're going to say or do. All right, whatever, whatever you say. G- man, give you- give me an example of someone you now. Obviously, we have a, a set song to go out of the show with. But you're gonna you you're not getting rid of me with a you know you can't get rid of me with a good shot of penicillin. You're with me for two more days, you know while Yates is out. So I mean you got to give me some a heads up some uh, some bands you'd want to hear. What's I went to I was gonna look up country, but I don't I don't know who's popular in country. I know you like country music, but I mean is Rascal Flatts still cool amongst the guy amongst your kids your generation? I mean I don't I don't know. Is Garth Brooks still no, hip? Rascal Flatts isn't cool. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big modest. I'm a big Modest Mouse fan. Do you like Modest Mouse? Um, no. Is that a relation to Mighty Mouse? You don't know Modest Mouse? I, I, I figured you'd at least know that. No, I don't. Uh, spell it for me. I'll Google him. Uh, <laughs> you don't know how to spell Modest? Oh, Modest Mouse. mouse? Okay. We're going to Google Modest Mouse, and I'll learn about Modest Mouse before tomorrow. That's it's a, a band. I thought it was like a DJ yeah. or something. No, it's a, no, it's a band. It, it's it's not rap or country. And if you want to, I mean, we we can we can talk about this off the air uh, on my musical. <laughs> I, I'm very I'm not very picky. I just don't like I don't necessarily like heavy metal rock music. Did you I know who I played in the two segments no. going out? Well, the last one was Machine Head by um, See, by that's Bush. The stuff I don't. That's the stuff I don't like. But the first song was a good. That was Jane's Addiction. That was that's a, you should know Jane's Addiction. You're not uh, familiar well, with them? I don't. No. I don't. I'm not. I'm not picky on music. Uh, so, I, I, pick. I, I, I just don't like the heavy metal yelling, all that. I'm, yeah, that's the stuff I don't like. Don't Anyways, just, don't like people screaming at you through your headphones. No, no. I, it's not, I don't I consider how that's really art. <laughs> well, we never. Nobody really considers any of the musicians in the last probably twenty years artists. I would say they're more. It's more commerce than artist. Well, whatever, whatever you say. There's, I don't know. There's been, I, I would consider some music. You have to be kind of an artist of sorts to be able to come up with it. But I, I get your overall point. Anyways, let's get back to it. Uh, How about Godier? Talk- is he still cool? Who? Godier? Is he still popular? Is don't he know a, who that is. The guy that did the had he had a single last year. I think. Uh, Oh, what was the name of this song? I'll look it up. We'll play it tomorrow for you. I'll remind you of it. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. 
uh, really look forward to it. But uh, some basketball recruiting news. Now I'm all <laughs> flustered after this basketball or after this music talk, not basketball talk. That's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, Jalen Brown, who's one of UK's top targets in the class of 2015, I, I think debatably could be the best player. I'd probably put him number two, number three in the class. Uh, on any given day, he could certainly be the best player for people that are familiar with Stanley Johnson, which I'm sure most of you aren't. He's going to be a freshman at Arizona. Stanley Johnson's going to be awesome and have an unbelievable year for Arizona. Maybe lead them to the Final Four, maybe a national championship. This Jalen Brown guy is a better version of Stanley Johnson for uh, this time when Stanley Johnson was a incoming senior Jalen Brown, who is an incoming senior now, is better. Stanley Johnson is probably better right now, but that's because he's a year older. Jalen Brown will get there. So one of UK's top targets, unbelievable player, a small forward that can get anywhere he wants. He was initially just between down to, it seemed, he never officially said this, he seemed he was down to just Kentucky and UCLA. And, and wanted to visit the two places and wanted to make an early decision because he talked about how much he hated the re- recruiting process. He got sick of it. He hated having to talk to coaches and this and that. Seemed like he could pop almost at any time. Now he he, he puts out a blog on USA Today. Uh, they do this with certain players. Kind of recaps what's been going on and the latest. He talks about how much he likes fashion and and all this other stuff to get to know the player. But he eventually gets to his recruitment. Mentions Kentucky, says he's, he's he's talking to Calipari consistently, says he's planning to visit UCLA. He's going out to Los Angeles for a tournament or for a tournament or some sort of camp this summer. He's gonna check out UCLA when he's there. Mentions that he wants to visit some other places. I'm sure he will visit Kentucky. Maybe already has visited Kentucky with how secretive they've been keeping visits down in Lexington. Uh, not necessarily good news coming out of this blog just because he mentions in September he's going to look at how everything is and then decide whether he wants to make a decision that fall. And for the first time ever, he talks about maybe not, may, maybe waiting till 2015 to make a decision. Also mentions Duke as a school that has been coming after him hard. He's had a lot of conversations with Coach K, and he likes what he's hearing from them. Also mentions Kansas, which wasn't a serious player. Now looks like they're they're becoming one. So it looks like maybe now it's between Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, and UCLA. That's a, a lot stiffer competition than just having to go head to head with UCLA. Not necessarily n- good news from that front, but I'd still say if I had to pick a leader, it'd probably be UK. But a much longer way to go in that recruitment than it seemed about a month ago. So stick around for that. World Cup is today. Uh, one semifinal match between Brazil and Germany, probably the two most talented teams in the entire World Cup going against each other. Brazil doesn't have their best player, Neymar, who is out. Trevor, I know you're not a big soccer fan. Have you been enjoying the World Cup? Loving every minute of it, learning every uh, more and more each day by the more I play FIFA 14 when I get home through 4 o'clock in the morning. I got to ask you this question. I know we only got about a minute left, but I, I kind of debated this with Yates yesterday, and you're more of a soccer guy than me, obviously, and maybe more than him, too. But is it safe to say that, even with that Brazil's injuries aside, that Netherlands, of the four teams remaining, would be considered the underdog to root for amongst the four teams? And let me tell you why before you answer yes or no. I say that because they're the one that does not have a World Cup amongst the four teams. 
I would say underdog. I don't really judge underdogs based on what they've been able to do from past tournaments because every four years it's so far apart. You're basically having not brand new teams, but brand new pieces every year at the World Cup. Uh, from a talent standpoint, Netherlands or Argentina are probably the, the worst teams, with Argentina probably being, uh, from top to bottom, the worst talented team. They do have Messi, who's probably the best player in the world, so that that's kind of an exception. Uh, but they, uh, it, I don't know. They're all they're all so close the final four teams and they don't have a World Cup and I think they're the country that has the most runner-ups without winning a World Cup so you could say they're the, the biggest underdog but it's close I don't know if there's really one true underdog in this whole thing uh, my prediction for today everybody's picking against Brazil I like Germany I've got a, a Germany soccer jersey on today I hope they win but I'm going Brazil you don't pick against Brazil in Brazil it's just a stupid pick regardless of their injuries we're running out of time we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, 3 to 4. Appreciate Trevor chit-chatting with me about some sports stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.